Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Finding Our Way, the official podcast of the band Wayland. This week's guest, songwriter and producer Steve Diamond. Now give a Wayland Warrior welcome to our most excellent hosts, Mitch Arnold and Philip Volinsky. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Finding Our Way, the official podcast. The official podcast. Very, you know, there's a bunch of ripoffs out there. Of Wayland the band. People trying to do other Wayland podcasts. Can't do that, I know. Yeah, we know who you are. We've been listening. Stop it. <laughs> anyway. It's like, it's like creating an account, an, an Instagram account for a hot chick, and you can't do that. No, you cannot do that. You can't do that. Uh, today we have with us, we'd like everyone to welcome in Steve Diamond. Hey, they're going crazy out there. Welcome to the studio. I can feel it. I can feel the love, and uh, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, So, Steve, you you came into our life. um, What was it? Last maybe September, September, October ish. Yeah, it was the it's six o'clock on October third. I was in my bedroom looking up at the ceiling, and the phone rang, and. It was all predestined. That's all right. Destined. That's yeah. right. And the rest is history. It is. So you're, and we got in contact with you because you're a songwriter and a producer. And we were coming, we were moving to Nashville. Or I think we had just moved. And um, we were looking to meet some new friends and get to work. And you, what happened? You you lost all your friends or you just had an opening? Um I was looking for some new friends as well because I didn't like any of my other friends. <laughs> but you, you know, like you, I was a transplant. It was some years ago. You know, I'm from Los Angeles, and what, what part of LA did you grow up in? I grew up grew up in the Valley, but before we moved here, I was living in Santa Monica. Okay, so love um, Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah it's one of my, actually one of my favorite places on but, earth. But but Nashville, it's quite a assimilation process, as we all know. When I first came here. I had a love for country music, all kinds of music. I played in every kind of band and every shitty bar there was. Can I say the word yeah. bar? You, you can yeah, say you shitty. Can say bar. Okay. You can say bar. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> bar is encouraged on this podcast. And, you know, when I moved here, I thought, well, I've got all these great country songs for the town. And fortunately, when I played them for people, they thought, oh, I love your stuff. It sounds like Stray Cats. It's like I, I wasn't writing what I thought. I mean, I thought I was fitting perfectly into the market but wow. by by writing in the cracks it benefited me certain ways because my stuff was a just little to put it into perspective different. whenever you moved to town who was big on the radio what kind of song what kind of songs were on the radio god it was a long time ago it was reba it was the 90s so uh reba john michael montgomery and uh alabama and gotcha. th- those kind of were you listening to all that stuff at the time I listen to it. I listen to everything, and even today, I mean, I listen to country music, but I, I listen to everything. So I, I couldn't tell you the top five. Sure, sure. But can, you can we kind back of, up just a little bit because, yeah. you know, with being a professional songwriter, how, how at what age did you decide you're going to be a songwriter versus a guitar player, or like, how does that process happen? With well, probably like half this town. I, I backed into it. I was, I always had bands from the time I was. 15, uh, and I won a record deal in a battle of the bands with Curb Records when I was really 16, 16, 17. Where were you playing? Was it like at the Whiskey? It, it was in Los something? Angeles, yeah, yeah, around then. And, um, 
you know, after a couple of bad record deals, and I happened to... Uh, Wait a minute, write... you had a record deal without being on TikTok? <laughs> what? I, I, I know. Tell us about it's, that. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. How old uh, are you? Yeah, that's... Well, that's <laughs> I, don't, I don't say that. Um, but, um, yeah, so after a couple of bad deals, and, you know, I was always trying to be a rock star or some kind of star and then uh i luckily after a trip to nashville where this legendary writer named troy seals i came for two weeks and could Who he, who's he written with like, he's for four kind of everybody of that age waylon jennings oh, and okay. alabama and uh a lot of big people he was so kind like of a legend, legends of the legends yeah. and he kind of took me under his wing i ostensibly came for two weeks and stayed for seven months we wrote every day i wow. learned so much you know in nashville writing is so different from pop writing in many ways it's tends to be very linear like every line leads to the next and it's very understandable there's not a lot of image jumps and there's nothing vague right? I, I love get vague stuff yeah but in most country songs there's nothing vague so Very i learned specific. right and i and i learned from him how to be clear and pointed and in that batch of songs we wrote a song called i've got a rock and roll heart which turned out to be a hit for eric clapton so well, how did that get from from you two writing that to eric clapton that is still a question believe it or not a lot of people take credit for it I for can't what, for, for sending it in for sending it in. No way. I can't. Um, I can't take any credit because I didn't. But Troy, again, being legendary, I know Eric was aware of him. Okay. So we he sent it. It got sent to a producer named Tom Dowd. Who's oh yeah, a, know all about Tom Dowd. Leg- he did the um, Derek and the Dominoes stuff too. I think. Right. Yeah. Wonderful guy. And then I had a relationship with him musical relationship with him <laughs> after, after we can get personal here it's cool we need to yeah after any kind that. of relationship we accept you <laughs> so that at the time my artist career kind of fell off um the clapton hit happened and i happened to be was that a number one it was number one you know there's a lot of different charts it was number one on some charts i don't oh. think it was number one pop i think it was number one ac oh, okay. or, and number one when various countries around the world, but it was recently a uh, T-Mobile commercial, which was kind of cool with oh, that's great with Eric. But so that kind of showed me after a couple of checks came in that I could make a living as a songwriter. I mean, I still entertain the wanting to be a star. You're still trying to thing. start a band. <laughs> you know, I do miss those days. The sure. only thing that comes close to that for me is in Nashville. They do have these writers rounds, so. I at least get to perform a little bit and yeah. get a little bit of... So that was the moment when you went, you just went full-on songwriting, kind of just hopped yeah. away while it's there. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, since I was the writer in the band and as the band fell apart, we I think we were just about to sign a deal when all the personality stuff that happens with the band happened. Believe me, personality Yeah, I, I know, I know Mitch, oh, and I can know. say yeah. it. Yeah, we deal yeah. with that on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he puts up with me, you know. So then within that Warner Brothers music structure, I just started writing with, you know, their writers, and they had a lot of all kinds of different artists, and uh, and it just kind of continued from there. And, and I learned... What were, the, what were the next kind of songs that, that you wrote that got cut that maybe some of our listeners might have heard about? Um, well, there were... I had a song which was actually wound up to be Song of the Year called I Can Love You Like That that was a 
big country hit for John Michael Montgomery and the big pop hit for a band called uh, All for One. Oh. So that was uh, yeah. good. So that's and a huge song. That's got to be exciting when, it, when it's a hit for a country artist and all of a sudden, do you expect that to, to be another artist in another genre? No, you don't expect it. Wow. And in fact, that was an interesting story. The same two artists had had a major hit with I Swear. It was John Michael Montgomery was the country artist and All For One was the pop How artist. How crazy is that? That and, is really that And is I, I thought... We pitched it, uh, they, you know, I Swear was first a country song, and then... What a big song. It was a huge song. Mm-hmm. In in our case, I didn't quite know how to demo it. I wasn't sure, so I did two demos at the same time. I did kind of a pop demo and a country demo, and we pitched it simultaneously to a guy named Scott Hendricks here in town and to David Foster. Uh, but what was interesting, I don't know if this should even be on the air, but whatever <laughs> does, does david foster listen to this still um i think he stopped okay yeah mitch said some really horrible stuff about yeah. him one time and no i love david he's he's good did a fantastic record but we had assumed because they'd both had this huge hit in with i swear that they'd be very happy to share the hit again but actually i guess they felt they each one stole a little bit of each other's thunder is was the impression i got so there was they, some drama some drama so they um each of them threatened to take the song off the record if we didn't cancel the other one and oh. and my wonderful wife who's a great manager mm-hmm. basically said okay do it and they both you know people don't really do that if they think they've and got they both hit. ended up recording it they both recorded it's a bold move on terry's part yeah um She's, just for anyone listening um you know, through getting to know Steve, we've gotten to know his wife, uh, Terry, um, who's his his prettier half. Yeah, definitely she... the tougher half here. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have said that to those guys? No, <laughs> no. As the artist, you're like, how am I going to make this work? Right? <laughs> I would have had the guts no, to say that. Don't take the song off your record, please. <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny how. I mean, you get a sense of someone's excitement for the song, and yeah, at cer- at a certain point. I might say okay to somebody, but I knew that they were both far up the road. Yeah. So anyhow, that was that. And then at the, a year later, um, this I had a song called Let Me Let Go that wound up being number one for Faith Hill. And that was an interesting journey because that song took eight years to get recorded. I re- pitched it around Nashville, and we kept, kept getting this thing. It's got too many out-of-town chords, is what we really? heard. So it's, for it's, anyone listening, what's an out-of-town chord? Like some of those like diminished... Minor drop. seven, flat five, mm-hmm. those kind of things. I mean, it, it's Lucky a very... Us, we don't know any of those chords. Yeah, yeah. So we're in great shape. You're, every day, that's yeah. what I live You're by. good. Yeah. No, that was... Mitch throws a B minor, and yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah. hey, whoa, whoa, slow whoa. down. <laughs> that, Fancy. That, that was a complicated song, but we had known in Los Angeles both Terry and I, Dan Huff, who was a session mm-hmm. guitar player in a band called Giant and all that stuff. Doesn't he produce like Taylor Swift now and stuff? Dan produces, I don't think he's done Taylor, but practically everyone okay. else from Keith Urban. Oh, and Okay, I was just talking, uh, we were talking about him with our buddy B. Yeah, Sam's the yeah. other day. Yeah, Dan's one of the top, top, top of Keith Urban and Thomas Rhett and Lone Star and Rascal Flats and it goes on and on. He's he's wow. he's brilliant. So, but, so he heard the song, we had a relationship and we'd played him the song, actually Terry had played him the song, like every year for a couple of years. I love this song. I don't have anyone to record it. I love this song. That's what's Dan saying. And then finally he was producing Faith and and he convinced her to do it. And 
you know, it was a great record. It was a wow. number one country and number one what's pop that, record. What's, well. what's it feel like when you get the phone call that it's being pitched to a certain artist? That's a big artist, like Faith Hill level. Well, in Nashville, being pitched is a common thing. That's, that's my it. question. So are you, does it, are you like, okay, I'm not that excited about it. We have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's nice to know someone has access to someone who can get to the artist, but these artists, you know, can put 60 songs on hold. And and some people like Reba, for instance. I was lucky I had a big hit with Reba called Consider Me Gone. And Reba who? Reba. The, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know it was the same Reba we knew. Yeah, okay. Reba, Reba Horowitz. <laughs> and she's awesome. But Reba's really extra responsible with dealing with writers if she song goes off hold she decides against it you know instantly which is really nice as disappointing yeah, as it nice, may be because right, yeah. sometimes there's not that much respect as much respect as i think writers deserve regarding holds if someone puts a hold a bigger artist on one of your songs you don't want to pitch it at that moment because you could piss them off and you, you just know, don't need the conflict the drama yeah right? you don't yeah. want the drama but I do feel that an artist owes you to let you know that's that's your that's your product and Absolutely. that's how you make a living. So, mm-hmm. and some people don't bother with that, which is unfortunate. But uh, yeah, that's that's a cra- we you know just kind of being here since September, we've seen how this process works, and it's uh, it was such an eye opening experience. Like, you know, so many of our friends are writing songs all the time. They have these publishing companies, and then. They take a few of them every couple of months and they actually go make, well, you know, we always thought a demo would be like us, you know, just doing an acoustic at the house. Right. But in Nashville, a demo is having a professional band play it and make it sound like a record. Yeah. It, 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 That's very different than anything I've ever experienced. Do you find, uh, you're, I mean, you're in the writer circle as much as I am these days. Are most of the demos... Full band with live musicians? Oh, yeah. Most of them, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, there's a lot of scattered stuff. There's a lot of people that, you know... It's a lot of programming. Yeah, a lot of programming that, you know, program drums or some... Yeah, you know, certain people are doing that. But I guess more... What I've seen more than anything is, like, the publishing company pays to have... Right. Let's say, like, it seems like, um, you know, there's a writer, and let's say he writes every day. And so every couple months, his publishing company will choose the five or six that they... That they both agree will be the the you know worth right. it, and they go in for a day with like, um, what's that guy down there like uh, what the County the, Q Paul Sculpton? No, no, the um, I think he's Russian or something. Oh, uh, Ilya Toshinsky. Yeah, Toshinsky. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like for anybody that's listening, um, this band is set up in a studio all day with an engineer, and different artists walk in. And they literally do like a song every half an hour. Yeah. They hear, they listen to the song, they go in, they play it once or twice. It literally sounds like a record. And they have a chart. They have a chart. Yeah, the they write down the chords right, and the, right, right. the arrangement. And I mean, it, I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's pretty, really, it's pretty impressive. It really yeah. is impressive. They're so professional, and Ilya's spectacular. He is very entrepreneurial of him because basically he books a studio without having anybody to take those spots, but oh. knowing. Writers will say, hey, I need to record one of my songs or two of my songs. So he's booking a whole day and having various writers come in throughout the day to fill out those slots. But economically these days, uh, you really need to get five songs in three hours or more. If 
otherwise it's expensive. I mean, that's absolutely. But yeah. that's very oh, yeah. doable with these guys. The only problem with that is it's hard to have the time to find something unique in that. That's why. Do you feel like everything kind of comes out sounding very similar? It certainly can. Yeah. Which is why I've got a. You know, you guys have a studio. I have a studio. You can take the basics that someone like that would do, and then put on the special sauce. Yeah, after and the that, fact. that's kind of how like how we how we've been doing it. Like when we made um, for anybody listening, um, you know, the, when we first got to Nashville, we recorded a batch of songs with Steve, uh, "Holy Shift," which just came out last week, which is very exciting. Excited about that. Yeah, yeah. that was. Um, but the first batch we did, we did "Holy Shift," "Train Wreck," "Train Wreck," um, which I know people are going to hear very soon. Yep. And this "Drunken Heart," which is another one that people are going to hear very soon if they haven't already. Um, and so. That we went in and we did exactly that. We recorded as a band in the room, um, and I think we kept your acoustic, bass, and drums. Right. Yep. Right. Yes. And then afterwards, and we can kind of think about the electric guitar parts and the slide parts and the the fiddle and the banjo and all the the fun stuff. Uh oh, what's going on here? You got a phone call? <laughs> I'm gonna. You just want to share with the class. What's going on? Off. Okay, sorry about that. No, you're, you're okay. You, you can you can take the call. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, turning it off, if that's even possible. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. Um. So yeah, and we've done that both times. So we did another batch a, a few months later. I think we did. What was in that? What was Lake those? House? Oh yeah, Lake House, which um already do like. We've been teasing some of these songs on online, like on TikTok, especially. Uh-huh. And people love Lake House. Oh, that's like, so great to hear. Yeah, especially like our, you know, all of our followers from the Midwest and stuff. People know. That was you guys convincing me that that was a good thing to write about. I, <laughs> I don't come from the Lake House yeah. culture, but it's, it always appealed to me. So what, you know, the movies I have saw, but you guys said this is a real thing that people yeah. love. and They uh, love Lake House. It's very yeah. real. I mean, we yeah. love it. When I'm, when I'm home for any period of time up in Michigan... Like, you know, me and my friends, uh, yeah. someone has a lake house or we're... Absolutely, yes. Well, right now I think about our friends Ron and Heather right on the yep. lake. It's the first mm-hmm. place we go, you know. Yep. Pontoon boats, it's life. My brother lives on a lake in Michigan. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. he's up in northern Michigan. Yeah. Lake is Michigan that, or not Lake? They. He's in Traverse City, so yes, that's Lake is Michigan. That, is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain. We don't I know. could be wrong. I mean, like, I'm not I'm not a geography major. We don't know. I don't even know Steve. where I'm at right now. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, we really don't. Yeah. Um, so we did Lake House. We, we did, were here. We were here, which is also getting a great response. It's just like the teasers online. Fantastic. It's such an amazing song that Steve wrote with, uh, who did you write that with? With Robert Counts and Jimmy Ritchie. Oh, God. For some reason I thought it was someone else. but And then and Robert And they is, were going to record it for their record, right? Yeah, well, they loved it for the record. Robert, I don't know how much I can say, but whatever. I mean, Robert is a very talented artist here who, to his, I won't say misfortune, but went through all the record company stuff that you go through, Mm -hmm. you know. He came into the record deal with some really good songs, and, you know, after a year or two years of co-writing his brains out, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what label, but I mean, so he never really got a real shot before um, he decided to go a different direction. Oh, wow. Well, when we heard the song, we connected with it immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, You know, I don't know if you know that, but like, well, I guess we have recorded a couple songs throughout the years that we didn't write. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a few. But it's not something that we do very often. Like we have to really love it. I am really have to really identify with it. I'm really honored that you guys chose to do a few of my songs. Then of course I love writing with you guys. Yeah, well that was so cool. When we started writing together, it already because we had the relationship, it meant, it made it felt, you know, it wasn't some song that got sent in the mail yeah. or something. Right. Um, but yeah, we were here is such a um, such a nostalgic nostalgic love letter rem- to relationships and mm-hmm. growing up in a small yeah. town. And well, good, thank you. It, and then we wrote. Um, out of them boots. Out of them boots. Yeah, and that was <laughs> that's probably the most <laughs> the most country song. You know, everybody's like asking us right now because we're playing some country festivals this summer. Uh-huh. And, you know, Holy Shift has some some pedal steel and some fiddle on it, and everyone's asking us if we're a country band, like our like our fan base, the Wayland Warriors. And that's such a hard question to answer because like we, j- I just hear Wayland. Like if it's Mitch's me voice, too. my guitar what, playing, what, and right. why does it ha- why does it have to be? one or the other it doesn't but you know these days everything's so parsed and figured out and researched that i guess it just kind of depends on what kind of room you're sitting in yeah whether you have to state if you're a country right or something else fortunately the internet can be the great equalizer i mean old town road is a classic example of something that came out of left field and country radio fought it at first and then wound up embracing it i guess uh so but we just we're not that worried about genre like good we we're so lucky to have our amazing fan base and we're lucky to have this band like we really love playing music together and we love to play music that feels good um i will say uh it now that this our new music is finding a spot like for instance we just found out today that next week um holy shift the music video is going to be on cmt.com uh, so it is kind of finding a spot within country. That's fantastic. I'm not mad about that because I don't know if when I turn on rock radio, I don't know if what the music that we're writing really fits in there anymore. Again, that's not really up to me, and I don't really care that much. I'm just happy to go out and play it. I think, right. You know, we're ha- we love recording. We, the band rocks. You guys do yeah. rock. I caught your show at the basement, and you were. Oh yeah! Thank you for coming. By the way, you were awesome. Yeah, it was a real pleasure. I just, you know, having known you guys and not seen you live. I just saw what a natural live band you are and how you relate to the audience. And that is what we thank you. We love to do. Yeah, it's our favorite place to There's be. There's nothing better There's nothing than better. loud amps and yeah. people <laughs> screaming. There's just nothing better. Yeah. Sweat, tequila shots. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we so they talking about genre and stuff. I don't know if it's because we're just in Nashville, whatever. But this this song came up. It started out as like, okay, I was actually picturing this bar in L.A. that we used to go to it's in, in uh, Echo Park called The Shortstop. Have you ever been there? No. No, okay. Well, it's just kind of a dark, dim bar, you know, and like, and they have this night, actually, it's called Soul Night. It's, it's on, one of the best. Is it on Sundays or Mondays? I think it's Sunday. I think it's Sunday night, yeah. Soul Night. And they play all like 50s and 60s Soul, and people just dance their the dance asses floor, off. The, the, like, five nights a week, the dance floor is empty. Yeah empty it's a huge place the dance floor is completely empty and then on sundays that place, i mean people are just, dripping yeah. sweat it's, it's just, amazing yeah it's so great and so well, you can get that at the gym too that you can I, the drip and sweat the same part. at the y okay. yeah it's not okay. the same no. certainly not at our gym no. um <laughs> we have a weird gym yeah, but we do have a weird gym. got having lattes and stuff at your gym we need to have one no. of the one of the i would like to have one of the staff members from our gym on the podcast which one 
Any I, of them. So I, I can be like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> What's going on? They're the worst staff. Yeah, they're the worst. We, we've got some new ones in there that are that are nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we started picturing this 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 spot where so, you know, and I, I picture Mitch at the bar, and and it kind of the bar turns kind of, and you could see people at like a distance. And so the song starts talking out about, you know, like, I can't tell if you're looking at me, but I'm just going to tell myself you are. And Mitch is known. I don't know if you know this about him. He's known for having dance-offs. Dance-offs. Straight-up dance-off. He will dance off. Like, he will, will challenge like, him. Oh, you want to dance off right now? <laughs> that, that really happens. <laughs> no, it really does happen. And it's it hilarious. Really it's yeah, all, you know, it it's, it's always late, you know. I've never witnessed that. I mean, uh... No, it's, I always have to ag him on, and, and I think he just does it because... You mean, is it I with it to make I, me laugh? I, yeah, yeah, I do it to make my best friend laugh. But, is it a dance-off with another guy, or it's a dance-off well, with a girl? The last dance-off was, was a with a guy. And he was and serious, this other dude. I cannot ex- express how did, funny this situation did you win? was. I definitely won. Yeah, you I mean, did. I stumped him a couple yeah. times. He was like, <laughs> oh, so you, you do a move, and then they're, spo- you're spo- well, they're not, supposed to not, do a move? You don't, you don't necessarily uh, repeat the move. You just kind of... Answer Do your it. own thing and yeah. try to yeah. It, you just go back and forth and and th- it was really odd. The dance floor was empty at this particular time, yeah. except for this one small little guy dressed in a suit. Uh huh. And he was really going drenched to town. in sweat. He was really going, going to, to town. town. And so Phil, the whole time, this guy is dancing for like twenty minutes. He's like, "You gotta have a dance off." <laughs> he needed please. someone to put him in his place. Do not let make me do this. Do not make me do Thinking this. Thinking he was the sure best dancer. Sure enough, Phil was like, hey, I think he wants to have a dance. <laughs> and uh, and we did. We danced it out, and it was fun. So that's, so that's the origin yeah. to me of uh, Out of Them Boots. You know, it, it sounds more country than I, than I think it started, but... And we also, we've been going to this thing. We go to this... Uh, did we tell you about the uh, Two-Step and Tuesday? You Honky mentioned it. What, tell me what it is. Yes. Over at the American Legion... Wow. It is so freaking cool. What is it? it, So it starts out, it's an American Legion, right? So just like every American Legion, you go in there, it's old. Smells like people have been smoking in there since the 50s. They only serve bottom shelf liquor. Yeah. Yeah, the liquor's super weird. And they usually run out. But um, you go at 7.30 and a whole bunch of guys and gals go and you can have a partner or not. They'll match you up and they give you a a two-step lesson, which is really cool because I've never done the Texas two-step. And it's kind of a weird dance. Like, it doesn't really go with the music to me. It's really hard. Alyssa and I have taken that lesson, like, maybe three times, and we're getting a little better at it, but we're not very good. Um, and then around 8.30 or 9, the band starts playing, and they play, like, 9 to 2, and they bring in touring bands and local artists play as well. Um, but it's all, like, very traditional country. It's wow. Really Everyone in the place just gets completely shit-faced I mean, they're spinning around it's great that sounds like really fun. It so it's fun. Really fun i have a odd um connotation about the two-step thing thing because as i played in bands and it's very demoralizing when you're playing you think the band is like grooving to you and then you stop playing and they keep on dancing uh, <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> their dancing is like wait i thought my music was special enough yeah, to get mattered. you moving I thought, yeah i thought i mattered <laughs> You've got another another dance song that we have wrote. recorded. Yeah, we just we, we just we're, we're making the demo. Yeah, what is it? All demoed. night long. All night long. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I wrote. I came home and wrote that after my first two step and two. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Oh, really? I was okay. so inspired. Wow. It's yeah. a really cool it, time. I mean, like, I I can't even say that you know, like, I danced with a few girls, or there was no like strong feelings, or I didn't fall in love. But I had to say I fell in love with the feeling, and fell in love with like the kind of the letting go of just uh, 
dancing your heart out with somebody that you don't know. I thought that was really That really is cool. wild. Yeah. That is wild. And now you only date girls that can two-step, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, so. Ladies, listen oh, up. Sorry, you're cut. What was it only the last was it only the 3 that we did the last time? Out of them Boots th- Lake House and we were here. I thought there was a fourth for some reason. But I'm I can't think of it. And I'm looking up at our board right now. We have a giant board of songs that we're looking yeah, at. Yeah, none of them look familiar. No. So I guess the, I guess those were the ones. I guess yeah, it, maybe it was three. That would make sense. I think we did three each time. Yeah. 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 You know, a total of six. So everyone will be hearing uh, all these songs very soon, which is so exciting. That's we're gonna, great. We're like, yeah, we're putting out a bunch of music. That's and, great. That's the way to go. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've, you know, just to be very candid, like we've made the mistake of holding on to it so many times. Like we made a whole record out in the desert when we were in Joshua Tree. I love that record. Oh, that's it's right. We played it. That's yeah. how we first. That's I right. I love that record too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I do for too. Sure. And yeah, we just—I don't know—we we held on to it so long that it was like, well, pff, we're all writing all these new songs now. How do you put that out from two years ago? It's kind of hard to do. Yeah. You know, in the moment, if we wish would have let it go, I'm sure that um, the people that listen to our band probably would have really loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it probably would have bridged the gap to what we're recording now. It probably would help it because that's a what bit it more. did naturally. That's, that's what, what it, it did, did for us as artists. Yes. Yeah, we were like, oh wow, we like these instruments and we like these sounds and so yeah. And you know, there might be a couple songs on there that we were talking about mm-hmm. giving a, giving a new giving new life to. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of stuff are you doing now? Are, are you are you writing songs? You're producing music? Uh, doing uh, all of the above. Uh, you this, go back and forth to Los Angeles a lot, right? A little bit. We just got a place back in Los Angeles uh, starting July. Still, Nashville be, is our main home, but uh, I just need to be out there a bit more for some things. And uh, this last weekend, I just co-produced a Christian artist uh, with my friend Ted T, who's an amazing Christian producer. He just won a Grammy for um, for King and Country, which is you know band he's produced for a while. What are they called? For King and Country. For King and Country, I don't know. They're they're huge. Oh, okay. In that in that market, I don't really know that market well. But and you work with artists like all over the world, right? I do, I do. It's a, you know through. It's like yeah, I'm doing a Skype right with some North I'm Koreans today. South Koreans. Oh, okay, South Koreans. <laughs> It was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't know this. That's great. Uh, you know, I, I came up like you guys. I came up as a musician. I played in, you know, all kinds of bands and studied guitar and taught guitar and, um, you know, so I've been doing some dance music and some K-pop a little. But I mean, my favorite is guitar-based real songs. You know, know. that's my favorite. But you learn and you adapt. I mean, one of my stories, uh, not stories, one of the things that happened to me is after that Clapton record, I was pretty full of myself thinking I was, you know, hot shit. And uh, I signed with a publisher, it was MCA Music at the time, that really didn't value what I was doing, that type of stuff. They were more of an R&B oriented thing. So I kind of went into a, well, do I have anything that's any good? So at that point I went and bought a Lin 9000 or or MPC 60, I believe, and kind of learned to to program and focus on the bottom end and do more, a bit more urban. If I'm the most urban one in the room and we're trying to do an urban record, we're we're in trouble. In trouble, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But at least, you know, I've wow, learned what, what to do different thing. things. Yeah. 
through the years. So is it exciting for you to dive into a new genre? Like, let's say K-pop. Okay, you've never done it before, and you're about to... That one is more... How does your name even get put in the hat for that kind of thing? Are you just at home, and you come up with a K-pop song by yourself? Not really. You know, it's... As you know, this business is so many relationships, and you never know where they're going to come from. So, you know, I've been writing a long time and had... I mean, a lot of writers sign with, like, one publisher, MCA or Warner Brothers or whatever... But at one point, I signed with a different publisher in pretty much every territory. So I had, we, we researched who's the best one in in Scandinavia, who's the best one in Japan. And so I we kind of got relationships in each of those territories. And so that's how a lot of that started. Wow. The, the K-pop stuff I've been working with, it's so weird, this Norwegian, wonderful Norwegian company that is huge in k-pop so i've been writing some stuff with them and through their contacts some k-pop artists have been doing that as a songwriter and you're writing so many songs for for different artists and or whatever how do you not copy yourself that's interesting um i I probably like like as we're writing stuff like in the last couple weeks we've had a couple songs that touch on similar topics and so the same types of phrases come to my mind the same yeah visuals the same analogies the same you know when you're writing a song is that something you worry about or i used to worry about it but now you know and i do copy myself sometimes a little piece of melody from this song winds Mm -hmm. up in the next song Mm -hmm. and so far i haven't sued myself that i'm aware of i think john fogarty's the only one that's known for that right well, wait, I don't no, know I think his label that. sued him for putting the same song out twice. Oh, really? Oh, that's right. Okay. I knew he was in trouble. I didn't know exactly from what. Something like that. Yeah. Boy, there's so, there's only so many notes, and you just kind of... You know, yeah. If you start censoring yourself, you're in trouble. So I just kind of do just what comes natural. You just got to trust yourself and just go for it, mm. I think. Right. And, you know, a good song's a good song. It could be done a, a zillion different ways. So, you know, I keep... I learn from everybody I write with. Mm. I learned from you guys. I, I know you learned a lot from us. I know. I saw absolutely. you taking notes the whole yeah. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you're and I'm never going to do any of that stuff I learned. Yeah, yeah. You go, put that buddy. in your pocket. <laughs> Mitch has a new segment of this podcast that we're going to wrap up with. Ooh. It's called What's Your Favorite Part? Ooh, What's Your Favorite Part? That's right. He's going to ask you a couple things. Okay. First thing that comes to mind. Ready? No. Okay, tell us when you're ready. There's no way to be ready. I'll just warn There's you. No, yeah, that's true. You can try to get ready, or you won't be. Yeah, and I don't need a serious answer. Just whatever, whatever. Okay, sure, go for it. What's your favorite part of California? Santa Monica. What's your favorite part of songwriting? Getting the idea initially and getting that first rush of thinking this could be something really good. Great answer. What's your favorite part of working with Wayland? The humor and camaraderie. And, of course, the astounding, brilliant talent. There hasn't been a lot of humor. <laughs> I was going to say, man, somebody paid him to say the, the brilliant talent part, but thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. We, we've had, I don't know if you guys can tell from listening to this, anybody, but um, working with Steve has been such a joy. Like we I've became, been, Yeah, I've been smiling since I got here. We became, well, I'm not only today, but, like, I mean, during the songwriting yeah. process, when he produced the band, like, even the phone calls of planning are... The jokes that we tell are just, <laughs> every joke's an inside joke and yeah. it lasts forever and it's it's a blast. So 
Um, we are just so grateful to have you in our life. So honored. Well, that it's means true. a lot, guys. I, I love working with you and love who you are as people and as uh, primates as well. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Appreciate that. And uh, you know, thank you for coming on the on the podcast, I man. You can just send your bill. You got Alyssa's email. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you, guys. It's really a pleasure. Great. Thank you, man. Okay. This has been Finding Our Way, the official podcast of the band Wayland. Go to waylandtheband.com for all things Wayland. <laughs>